Hello, Stephen Jolly here. Vision Australia Radio's 2022 listener survey is on now. What do you like most about our service? Where are you listening from? How can we improve? Share your thoughts and help shape the future of Vision Australia Radio. You'll have the chance to win one of 10 Amazon Echo Dots with Alexa, thanks to station sponsor, Amazon. Terms and conditions apply. Visit varadio.org and click on the homepage link to take part. But do it before October the 10th. From Vision Australia, this is Talking Vision. And now here's your host, Sam Colley. No, it's not Sam. It's me, Stella Glory, filling in for Sam this week as he is up in far north Queensland for the Community Broadcasting Association Awards of Australia, the CBAA. And I'm going to be chatting a little bit more about that in a moment. But you will be hearing from Sam this week. He's recently been chatting with the Holman Prize winners. And this week, he's talking to Abby Griffith, who is providing Braille and reading and writing devices for people in Ethiopia. And that interview is coming up later in the program. Now, if you're not familiar with the Holman Prize, it's a major competition from the Lighthouse for the Blind and Visually Impaired based in San Francisco, which supports the growth of adventurous spirits. And you'll hear more about that in the interview. Also on today's program, the Vision Australia AGM was held just recently, 27th of October here in our Kuyong office and uh, the Vision Australia Awards were given out including one particular person and you're going to hear from her today. She's a very familiar voice and a great leader of our community and that's all I'm going to say. First up, though, Dr. Michelle Ananda Raja is the Labor member for Higgins, and she was a recent guest here at Vision Australia in Kuyong, which is located in the seat of Higgins, and I had the great honour of speaking with her, and that interview is up next. I hope you enjoy this week's Talking Vision. Great pleasure to welcome Dr. Michelle Ananda Raja, who is the federal member for the seat of Higgins, and it is where Vision Australia's head office of Kuyong sits. Welcome to Talking Vision and also to Vision Australia, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me. It's a delight to be here. I've just so enjoyed my tour already. This is your first time at Vision Australia. You've had a tour of the building. What surprised you or took your particular interest? Well, firstly, I think the design is striking. Um, the external externals of the building are quite sort of modest, but you step in and it's it's so high tech. Um, it's beautifully designed. There are soft you know, um, walls to kind of mute the noise. Uh, very nice lighting. It's just modern and inviting. And I think that's the nicest aspect of the whole um, building. It's, it 
it invites participation and it screams inclusion, which is what this whole, I guess, uh, organisation is about. I'd like to talk about your career in medicine. You are one of Australia's leading experts in infectious diseases. You have an esteemed career as a doctor and now you've transitioned over to politics. Was this an active decision or something that you had often aspired to? Yeah, so I think um, it was really the pandemic that activated me. It's done that to a few of us in Parliament. There's quite a few doctors now in Parliament, and I don't think it's happened by accident. I think the pandemic really shone a spotlight on our society as a whole and exposed, I guess, weaknesses um, that became fault lines. And for me, the weakness was in my hospital and in my workplace, I just felt that work health and safety was not optimized. And I spoke up about it because obviously there's no healthcare without healthcare workers. And I um, got to work and that degree of activism, it became all consuming actually, um, because I was so determined to drive positive change for myself and my colleagues. And It was really that experience um, that I guess led to the next stage, which was this realisation that trying to improve um, workplaces or improve lives shouldn't be this hard, really. And I realised that actually I had to step into this arena of politics, step into the bear pit in order to drive change, and it would be a whole lot easier to do that. So in the end, I was actually approached by um, a colleague in the Labour Party, Someone who I'd met during my active my my period of activism, and um, and asked to run, and I laughed and I hung up the phone, <laughs> as you would. Um, but then he was persistent, and I actually then started to think seriously about it, and um, and made a few more calls and spoke to the labor leadership, including Anthony. And then I decided, okay, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have a crack at it because I was frustrated with the way I guess our country was going and and I thought I could make a difference. As a Member of Parliament, what are your particular areas of interest or concern? Mm, That's a really good question. So I, I think... There are lots of areas that interest me, but if I was to broadly kind of describe them, I would say, um, firstly, I want to have an inclusive, sustainable and competitive country. And I think that's important, right? There's, that's the broad kind of mission. Um, but then when you unpack all of that, the other issues are, of course, climate, um, restoring standards and trust in politics. So that speaks to integrity. Uh, I am partial to women, of course. I guess I have a hard skew towards um, encouraging more women um, to participate in the workforce and in our economy more widely. And I will support anything that does that. Um, but what has also struck me in this role is this, you know, this massive community um, engagement and a sense of uh, wanting to give back to society that ordinary Australians have. And it's it's just, it's the beating heart of this country. And um, that is evident when I go around to organisations like Vision Australia or other places. They're often run um, by a lot of volunteers and there's just a lot of goodwill um, that keeps these engines moving. And, uh, you know, I think that speaks to our country. What a great country we are that we have those values. This is so inspiring. It's been a long time (laughs) since I felt proud 
about being Australian and I feel proud at the moment and hopeful as well. Now, there are a lot of Australians who are blind or have low vision who during the pandemic had to manage inaccessible tests, COVID tests, rats, and also access had problems accessing information. What are your thoughts on the future around these type of processes? Mm, so um, it's a good question. The pandemic isn't actually over. I know we would like to wish it away, but it isn't over. And it's the responsibility of <clears throat> leaders like me, people who have got an infectious diseases background and a, a medical background and a scientific background to ensure we keep the population safe, including our most vulnerable people and people who are marginalised and live on the edges like some of our, our vision impaired um, members of society. So one of the jobs I have in Parliament is I sit on a health committee, which is examining repeated infections and long COVID, and we've just started public hearings, and um, it's going really well. So we're bringing forth just about everyone you can think of in this country who has some expertise in COVID, and we want to know what we can do now moving into the next phase, um, how we learn to live with this virus. And I want to give people some hope here. I do believe that it is possible to remain safe and to still enjoy life and the freedoms um, of our previous life, I guess. Uh, but it's going to mean that uh, we have to probably adjust to um, being vaccinated more often um, for the foreseeable future and uh, taking maybe antivirals when we need to. Um, but also, and my big thing is ensuring that our indoor spaces are safe. And that means I'd like to see action on ventilation. Um, it's something that I, I was an, uh, campaigned on when I was an activist. And it's something that I can now drive from government, which is fantastic, because that will transform the lives of millions of Australians. Final question. Speaking of transforming lives, the NDIS has made a difference to the lives of many in our community and it's been a great experience for them. However, there are also many who haven't had a great experience with the NDIS, to say the least. What are your thoughts on how this can be evened up? So more people can have a positive experience and their expectations are met. Mm, it's a great question. So the NDIS um, is, you know, a labour legacy. It was <clears throat> it was introduced by Julia Gillard, and Bill Shorten was one of the architects. And um, it's run for ten years, and it's absolutely encountered problems during that time. Um, but now Bill is back at the helm and he's absolutely committed to ensuring the NDIS delivers for the most vulnerable members of our community. So the most important thing is, you know, we need to, there's a lot of reform that needs to happen. Um, we need to remove the red tape, the bureaucracy, streamline the services, because that's what people are telling us, that they're just feeling, you know, that they're bound up in red tape and find it very hard to navigate through the system. Um, make it basically more user-friendly. Um, and the other thing we would like to do, of course, is to make sure it's sustainable. So I think that we know that it's costing a lot of money for Australia, somewhere in the order of about $36 billion, and it's projected to increase. So from my perspective, now that I'm a, you know, in policy, I need to make sure that um, we keep the NDIS strong, um, bake in integrity, and so that it actually delivers for the people who need it most. 
Um, so, you know, that's putting a slightly different lens on it from the time when I was a doctor and I had patients who were on the NDIS. I'm going to echo what a recently appointed board member on the NDIA, Graham Innes, reiterated in regard to taxpayer dollars that for every $1.25 spent on the NDIA, it injects back into the Australian economy $2.25. And I'd like to say thank you so much, Dr. Michelle Ananda Raja, for taking the time to chat with us here at Vision on Talking Vision and also for visiting us here at Vision Australia. Thank you so much for having me. And I uh, wish everyone in the organisation well. I think uh, your values are absolutely fantastic. Inclusion um, and uh, a bit of fun as well. That's what I saw downstairs. Um, and I, I hope, uh, I look forward to supporting the work of this organisation for years to come. What a great honour it was for me to speak with Dr. Michelle Ananda Raja. I'm Stella Glory, and this is a Talking Vision. I'm filling in for Sam Colley, who, as I mentioned earlier, has been up in far north Queensland for the CBAA Awards and a big congratulations to the Vision Australia radio team who picked up the highly contested Excellence in Outside Broadcasting Awards at the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia Awards on Saturday night for its 2021 Vic Disability and Sports Recreation Festival broadcast. Now, the award recognises a station that has served a community, need or provided programming relevant to their community of interest through an outside broadcast or a series of broadcasts. In particular, a big thank you and congratulations to Jason Gibbs who drove the partnership and to Sam Colley and Matt Lee for their excellent on-air work that highlighted the fantastic festival. And it was held on International Day of People with a Disability, which promotes and celebrates physically active lifestyles for people of all abilities and offers Victorians with and or without disability the opportunity to explore and experience inclusive sport and recreation through hands-on activities and information sharing. So well done, Sam. Big congratulations, of course, to all involved. But, you know, this is Talking Vision. This is Sam's program. We look forward to hearing more about it when you get back. In the meantime, here is Sam Colley now chatting with Abby Griffith. We've already spoken to two of our Holman Prize winners for this year. You heard from Cassie and Tafadzwa, but now it's Abby Griffith's turn. Abby recently won the Holman Prize for her work with the blind and low vision community in Ethiopia. So, Abby, firstly, congratulations on your recent Holman Prize win. How does it feel for you to be able to give back to your community that you care so much about? This is very, very important for me to give back to my community. I grew up in Ethiopia, Walaita Sodo, and the school I will be implementing technology program is 
the school I went uh, when I was child, and um, I feel that giving back to community that don't have a lot of resource begin with. Now, Abby, it goes without saying that adaptive technology and braille resources are absolutely vital for the blind and low vision community. So could you tell our listeners a bit more about sort of what this means for you and the importance of that in your life and the lives of people who are blind or have low vision? The reason why actually I left Ethiopia to come to America, where I live now, Washington State is that we had very little resource. We don't have technologies like a computer with JAWS, a Perkins Braille, Braille Note device, any of the important stuff for blind people to use. And when I went back to Ethiopia in 2019 to attend the seventh African conference for blind visually impaired people. It was worldwide conference and I was able to attend that conference in Addis Ababa, capital city in Ethiopia. After conferences over, I went to Walaita Sodo and I was lucky to visit the school for the blind in Walaita Sodo where I went when I was a kid and I saw they are still the same, no resource. They borrow from each other or borrow from school. And when they go to home for break and stuff, they don't have that because they have to go back the stuff they borrowed from school or other friends and stuff. So when I found out that situation, it hurt my heart to know that other blind people like me don't have resource when I have a lot of technology like computer with jobs. I mm. have printer, I have embosser, I have a Perkins Brailler, all kind of like a Braille notes, anything I need is smartphones. But these kids there have almost nothing. And I was very sad about that. And I came back thinking like, what should I do to help these kids? So could you tell us a bit about Walaita Sodo in particular, the town and all that sort of thing? Yeah, Walaita Sodo is in Walaita region. And um, it's a, for the region, it's bigger city. And we have a school for the blind there. And um, kids from all over region come to school there if they are blind or visually impaired. Uh, that's the only place actually they have. And I have my family. Some of my family are in Walaita Sodo and uh, some are like maybe like an hour away, a different city called Raka. It's a A-R-E-K-A. Being one of the recent winners of the Holman Prize for your work to bring adaptive technology and braille materials to the blind and low vision community in Ethiopia, how does it feel to be able to bring these vital resources back to the community that, you know, means so much to you? It feels really good. Um, I am very excited when I think about my opportunity that I will be bringing this technology and improving education, helping them where they can learn what they have not learned before. 
it makes me happy. Like I sometimes cry because I'm too happy about the opportunity. So, what was it like when you um, found out that you did win the award? What was your reaction? What was your sort of immediate feeling when they call me and they want to meet with me? They said that they will be asking me additional questions, but. When we were in the meeting, they told me I'm winner, and I didn't know how to take. So I was just like, I break through like crying.、Mm. I can't believe it was really hard for me to believe that literally like happened. <laughs> Oh wow, that sounds incredible! And you know, you're doing so much important work, and it's really exciting to hear that、um, this prize of twenty five thousand dollars is going to make such a huge difference to the community in Wolaita Sodo and more broadly in Ethiopia. So I'm really excited to hear about all the progress and all the lives that you'll surely be able to change. So how can people? Follow your journey. How can they keep in touch? I just created a Facebook page. I am in the process of putting Facebook page that technology for the blind and visually impaired Ethiopians, and I will be making my project Facebook page public、okay. soon. And I will be、uh, continue posting my progress, what I'm doing. And all documents, YouTube channels, all that stuff will be starting soon. We'll keep in touch, and、um, we'll surely promote that and get some eyes on that, and get people to give you a follow when that's all up and running. So feel free to keep in touch, and yeah, we can absolutely mention that in future weeks and months to come. I've been speaking today with Abby Griffith, originally from Walaita Sodo in Ethiopia, now living in Washington State in the USA. One of the three Holman Prize winners for her work. Within the blind and low vision community in Ethiopia, Abby, thank you so much for your time today. It was an absolute pleasure to catch up with you, and congratulations once again on your Holman Prize win. Thank you so much for giving me opportunity to be here, and I will keep you up to date about my project. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. I look forward to you returning. I'm Stella Glory, and this is Talking Vision. Each year, Vision Australia awards are given in recognition of people and organisations which give up their time and resources to support the work of Vision Australia and also the wider blind and low vision community. This year's awards were presented at our AGM here in Kuyong on the twenty seventh of October, and there was one award in particular. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but I'm just going to play a little bit of recording of the day, and you'll start off hearing Ron Hooten, CEO of Vision Australia. Our final award today is for a trailblazer and innovator. And a person who has dedicated her entire life to the benefit of the blindness and low vision community, Dorothy Hamilton is still an employee of Vision Australia, of which I'm very, very proud. I hope that you get an opportunity to meet her later. Dorothy, you were the first person in the Southern Hemisphere to obtain a music degree. In 1985, you established Braille music camps. 
and also taught long distance braille over the telephone, you know, very early telehealth uh, in around about 1985. In the 1990s, you were instrumental in refreshable braille, computerised braille being implemented. Uh, and as I say, 37 years working at Vision Australia. And I, I think you mentioned that when you turned 65, which is quite a few years ago, I won't mention the number, um, that the, the principal at the Burwood School said, so what, get on with it. So Dorothy, I'm going to come over to you with an award, and I'm going to ask you just to say a few words if you wouldn't mind. Um, but I'm, I'm heading your way now uh, with our grateful thanks for so many years of service, Dorothy. Uh, here is a Vision Australia award. And I'm going to pop a microphone in your hand so that you might be able to say a few words. Thank you, Ron. I'm indeed very indebted to Vision Australia for this award and for the opportunity of being able to um, work for so many years, 45 it is actually. Oh, um, <laughs> I've come through many uh, changes, but in every case I have been so privileged to be able to deliver to blind people their musical music that they have uh, is so important to so many, many of them. Um, it's really been a, a great pleasure and I thank Vision Australia very much for all the um, opportunities they've given to me. But in particular, I'd like to mention this morning that I owe a tremendous indebtedness to the volunteers who come and read to me and others who've done this work week after week after week. Some have been coming every week for 10 years, 15 years, 20, 25 and coming up to 30. They never fail to um, give their services to us and that has been absolutely wonderful. Without them, I wouldn't have been able to achieve anything. Dorothy, thank you very much for those words. You're absolutely right about volunteers. And a very big congratulations to Dorothy Hamilton. I am sure I am not alone when I say that. And that is your program for this week. Talking Vision is a production of Vision Australia Radio. Thanks to all involved with putting the program together. And remember, we love your feedback and comments. And you can contact us at talkingvision at visionaustralia.org. That's talkingvision at visionaustralia.org. And if you've heard anything on today's program and you'd like more information, you can contact us on that email as well. Looking forward to Sam Colley coming back, although it has been fabulous to sit behind this mic once again. And it's bye for now. You can contact Vision Australia by phoning us anytime during business hours on 1300 8474 That's 1300 8474 or by visiting visionaustralia.org. That's visionaustralia.org. Thanks for listening to this Vision Australia radio podcast. Visit varadio.org to find out more about our podcasts.